Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Your host, Paul, is the best-selling author of Cut That Grass and Make That Cash and the brand new book, Best Business Practices for Landscapers, now available on Audible. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. Alrighty, guys, I'm really excited for today's episode. We've been talking about it for like a year or so, but one of my childhood friends uh, now has uh, your own company, Justin, and, and you focus on helping folks invest money. And so I want to get you on the uh, show today to share your entrepreneurial journey, as well as sharing with us some investing tips. So welcome to the program, Justin. Thanks for having me, Paul. Really excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us, uh, give us all the credentials and, and uh, a little bit about who you are now, and then we can uh, reverse back to how you got to be in this spot. Sure. Yeah. So I am a certified financial planner, a CFP. Um, basically, I, I help people the best that I can make smart financial decisions. So you already touched base on one of those decisions regarding investment uh, decision-making processes, but uh, really even things get more comprehensive than that on the, as it pertains to personal finances. So we can elaborate on that um, or keep it there, but uh, I'm self-employed and have been for about uh, six years now. I think it was May of 2015 officially that uh, I was able to set up my own, own shop, uh, having previously worked um, with a, a larger financial planning firm, or I'd say mid-sized financial planning firm, for five or six years, and was uh, really blessed with the opportunity to uh, to go out on my own, um, kind of hit that stage of life where uh, I desire to have a little bit more flexibility, given my my family and uh, kind of the the ages of my kids, and um, was just afforded that opportunity and it's been no, no looking back since then. Doesn't mean it's been easy, but it's been one of the best, best decisions that, that I've made uh, professionally and personally. So how did you uh, know when the boat was close to the dock that it was the proper time? Cause you got, you got a wife, you got a couple kids, you, you got a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. How did you know it was the appropriate time to make that transition when you did? Great, great question. So full disclosure, I actually, uh, I failed at going out on my own in, in 2009. So I, I got my start in 2006, 2007 in the financial planning profession and kind of had always aspired to, to have my own firm at one point. Had no idea what that looked like though. You know, I was young and immature and had these aspirations that, uh, unfortunately some things can only come with, with, age and, and wisdom. And uh, in 2009, whenever we had such a horrible financial crisis, um, really around the world, uh, I decided that would be a wonderful time to, to try to start my own firm with, with another gentleman. And uh, long story short, that lasted about three months. And my wife looked <laughs> at me and said, hey, you, you ever going to get another paycheck? Oh, man. And we, we, had, uh, we had just had our, our first child and kind of the writing was on the wall that that wasn't going to work. So, um, you know, I, I worked uh, under um, another advisor's kind of wings for about six years then. I joined up with the firm from 2009 to 2015, and he really mentored me. Uh, I grew so, so much as a professional and, um, 
leading up to 2015, just that itch to, to have my own firm kind of came back again because I knew the types of clients that I really wanted to, to focus on and work with. And as I said earlier, just it was uh, that stage in life where at that point we had had our second child and um, I, I felt as if uh, professionally I had uh, acquired the, the knowledge that I needed to not only manage my firm, but appropriately counsel, counsel clients. So um, one thing led to another and in May of 2015, that's when I, I launched my, my company, JGR Financial Solutions. So it, it really wasn't a, hey, I just woke up one morning and, and decided to do this. Uh, it required a lot of patience. And uh, really, uh, when I was younger, I didn't understand that. I wanted to, to put the cart ahead of the horse and uh, you, you can't do that in, in many businesses and definitely not, not in mine. How did you navigate your schedule? You, you were, use that word flexibility, Justin, where you, you basically don't, you know, necessarily report daily to like you did at the previous firm. You had a boss that was overlooking your uh, mm-hmm. schedule and, and decisions and things like that. And now, if you know, if you want to go out and play golf, you can do that. If you want to go sit at a coffee shop and scroll through Facebook and not work, you can do that. <laughs> how, how do you stay um focused on bringing, you know, revenue into your company and, um, keeping things flowing, um, so that it is a successful business, uh, when there's so much temptation because there is that lack of accountability to, to really work uh, hard and, and, and be, uh, prudent and productive. Uh, great, great question. And that was one of the things that I realized right out of the gate, you know, as I made my pros and cons list leading up to the decision of whether or not to, to start my own firm. One of the things that I remember putting pen to paper was about flexibility and kind of that perceived flexibility prior to me starting my firm was exactly what you just said. Hey, I can golf more. Hey, I can uh, control my schedule more. Hey, I can you know, go to a coffee shop and scroll through, well, I'm not on Facebook, but social media, whatever it is. And I think one of the Checking things the, I quickly... the uh, Buckeyes, how they can make the playoffs <laughs> or the Browns, <laughs> what their scenario well, is to make the playoffs. Uh, there's always next year. For all the Browns. <laughs> next year I'm never still comes. hopeful, man. I'm still hopeful they can win out and get, get, get going here. Uh, yeah, that's, we'll see. That's a different, different podcast for a different day. But no, I, I think one of the things that quickly set in was it does take discipline and an extremely high level um, discipline to, to stay focused because when you're running your own business and delivering a service, as I'm sure many people in, in your industry do, I mean, not only uh, you've got to wear multiple hats, you've got to find that flexibility to not only, you know, for me, deliver financial advice, but, then also manage the business. And um, both can be very time consuming. But one of the things I quickly realized was, yeah, I I don't have a a quote unquote boss per se, but as I talk to you now, I serve about 80 households. Um, So in essence, I have 80 bosses, truth be told, that I'm being held accountable for. So I've got to be prepared to not only deliver the advice that they expect and think of the questions that my clients should be thinking of that they aren't, but in any given moment, I mean, an email could come through with a a question that isn't something that we necessarily anticipated during our most recent meeting. 
um, or the, the phone could ring and I've got to be prepared to, to do that. So it, it requires a very um, strict discipline to, to stay focused and a, a level of organization to manage the, the day in, day out or month in, month out tasks that, requ- that are required to, to run the business. Um, so it's not just a free for all. And truth be told, uh, these past few years, I've played less golf than, than I have in my whole life. Um, and I'm okay with that. Um, but it, it's not just the free for all that, that people think when, Hey, I'm going to have my own business and I'm going to have all this flexibility. And it, that's just not the way that it is. If that's the avenue that somebody pursues, I think, uh, there, there may be few instances where that could be successful, but the majority of those cases, they're, they're not going to have their own business, uh, very long. So to your point, it takes a very strict, disciplined person and, um, you know, I, I think surrounding yourself, <clears throat> excuse me, with like-minded individuals, uh, you know, that's been key for me is to have professional organizations that uh, kind of bring that, that outside accountability um, that I'm having regular conversations with. Um, you know, I'm, I am grabbing coffee a couple times a month with some, some trusted professionals just to bounce ideas off each other and check in and see how things are going. Um, certainly having a spouse, uh, she will definitely hold me accountable. Um, but I realize that not all business owners have that. So it's important for each person to, to find um, that person or that organization or even the clientele to, uh, to hold them accountable. But ultimately, it starts with the individual and having the drive to, to succeed and knowing that part of that success is going to be uh, derived from the discipline to stay focused on the task at hand. Since launching in 2015, what would say has been your biggest mistake and what did you learn from that? Oh boy, that's, that's a good question. Um, I think, so maybe mistake isn't necessarily the the right category to put it in, but um, I think one of the biggest learning points for me has been when I first opened my doors in 2015, um, I, I was fortunate to be able to take some clients with me from my prior firm. So I had kind of that, that base level of revenue and base level of clientele. Um, but I set out to more or less serve anybody um, and anybody that would pick up the phone and call me or email me or, or whatever that was. And I, I don't regret that by any means. And I still remain committed to making sure that if somebody has the courage uh, or the need to reach out to me, I make sure that their questions are answered. But I think Early on, um, I took on everybody that I could as a client. And, um, you know, my desire isn't to grow a, a big financial planning firm. It's really just to, uh, to have kind of what I call a lifestyle practice where, yes, my focus is serving my 80 or so households that, that I work with. But I want to make sure that I maintain a, a work-life balance. Family is super important to me. So, you know, what I quickly realized was some of the clients that I um, had taken on, I don't regret it, but might not have been the, uh, the ideal fit or the right fit. And I ended up kind of backtracking on some of these clients because they had, in a sense, graduated from, from my service where I might have helped them get started. And then they were on autopilot. So we had that conversation of, hey, do you really need my, my service on an ongoing basis? And we both concluded that no, we don't. Um, so again, I didn't, I don't reckon, I don't, regret taking them on. But I think now I'm more focused 
in who I take on as a full-time client. And, and part of that, uh, I'm blessed with, again, a mature business where I can be more focused on that. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I've got trusted professionals that I can send somebody to if they're just not the right fit for whatever reason. I can now confidently uh, send them to somebody that I think will be the right fit. Um, and ultimately, that professional would serve them better than, than maybe I would. So I, I think to, to answer your question directly, Paul, just not having a, a focus, um, a, a narrow focus in trying to serve everybody really created some frustration on my end and it just sucked a lot of time that uh, in hindsight I probably could have devoted to to other parts of my business and I'm still kind of weeding through that sorting through that um, so I don't have it completely figured out but I, I am a lot more focused about the the type of client uh, now, do you than- have your ideal customer um, do you have like the um, attributes written down or how dialed in do you have who you want to work with? So, it, you know, I, Northeast Ohio is a different market than, say, Chicago or New York City where, um, you know, I, I still I don't have it completely written down. But certainly in my mind, for example, my knowledge base that I've acquired over the years serves retirees a little bit better than it does, say, um early Gen X, Gen Y type clients. There's just a different set of issues, which which are great, but my expertise has evolved in the needs of, of retirees. So, you know, someone that's in their 20s or even early 30s that reaches out to me, they have legitimate financial planning needs that I'm, I'm uh, acknowledging, but also acknowledging that, hey, there's other advisors that I've grown to know that can probably better serve those, those types of clients. So it's nothing set in stone by any means, but certainly um, I think I'm doing a better job just in the initial conversations of, of kind of vetting prospects and figuring out, okay, you know what, this is exactly the type of client or close to the type of client that, that my expertise lends itself well to, or, or I'm now more confident that that was one of my holdups. I always, I don't know if it was a self-confidence or just feeling that I would be letting somebody down if I didn't take them on as a client. Um, but regardless, I'm more confident now in referring um, somebody that I don't believe fits my area of expertise as well as it should. I'm more confident in referring them to, to other professionals that I've come to know and trust too. Yeah, that's totally relatable to the lawn and landscape hardscape industry is the influx of calls that we get vetting those customers because a lot of times it's not a win-win and the sooner you can identify that the better it is for both parties and then when you do have somebody that's aligned with you know your goals uh, you, you know you can you can um move forward so i want to transition a little bit justin into the actual financial planning and investing and uh, get your kind of tips and uh, strategies and suggestions um you know as you've aged over the years and got more experience and, and maybe go back in time and start all over kind of what, what you would do to invest your money and the suggestions you have for the guys listening of how they can invest their money and, and, and do's and don'ts and cautions and concerns mm-hmm. and, and just uh, give us a lay of the land, man. Yeah. So no, there's, there's a few things that come to mind. Um, 
you know, generally speaking, I think the, the sooner you can start investing, the, the better off because you've got more time on your side to, to let the investments grow. But, you know, I, I think one of the things that's often overlooked or one of the things people feel bad about is if cash flow doesn't permit investment, um, that's okay. There, there are certain things that need to be addressed that I think are often overlooked. And specifically, one of the most important things, especially these past couple of years, with just the ebbs and flows of the economy and the employment situation, and it's been it's been tough really across the board for people. But just it's it's been a reminder that you really need to start by having sufficient cash in the bank just to, to tackle emergencies or unforeseen circumstances that that come up. And that amount of cash that you ultimately need to have in the bank, that's going to be very personal. Um, for some people, it's a thousand bucks. For some people, it's $10,000. There's a whole host of variables that goes into that. But, but having that liquid in the bank where if you lose your job or need to have access cash to, to buy new equipment that breaks down or, or replace tires, whatever it is, this, these past couple of years have just reminded me that that is so important to focus on that even before you think longer term strategies with your money, you need to make sure that you're, you're prepared for the, the immediate term uh, or the short term emergencies or goals that, that could creep in. Um, so that, that's one of the things that I think is, is so important for, for business owners, but also, um, folks that aren't owning their own business to, to keep in mind. Um, now, would you sure recommend, you sorry, go ahead, Justin. No, that, that was it. Go so ahead. so I'd say, you know, 90% plus of the guys and gals that are listening to this conversation are small business owners. And so mm-hmm. would you recommend a uh, savings account for the personal, you know, the guy with the wife and a couple kids and, you know, you, you threw out one to 10 grand just as that kind of emergency, emergency fund that's just, sitting there to give your wife peace of mind. And if, you know, if everything, you know, turned south that there, that was there. Um, would you also recommend for the business to have a similar, um, savings account, uh, separate from that one, but, but that's, you know, in the business structure, um, and and having a, a savings account there. Yeah. I think just thinking about your business and some of your listeners' business, you, you have to, because you've got to prepare yourself not only for the personal emergencies, but the, the business emergencies. And your, your business is certainly a, a lot more uh, equipment intensive than, than mine. But uh, if something goes haywire with, uh, with the equipment, yeah, you've got to have a place to, to turn to. And, you know, in the ideal world, you don't, co-mingle business and personal funds. Um, and I think that's why it is important to, to keep sufficient liquidity or cash in a business account so that you can turn to it without having to, uh, you know, make a personal contribution from your personal savings account into the business if you need to, to replace that mower or, for, or whatever it is. So absolutely, I would highly recommend that. And again, that's going to be very unique to the own circumstance of the, the business owner or, or the family, um, depending on what they're, they're comfortable with. Okay. So I'm sitting here taking notes. We have sufficient cash in the bank. Um, you, you just kind of threw out one grand, 10 grand, whatever is the variables are, are many. Um, so, so your specific situation, 
you know, dictate, you know, 18 year old kid living with his parents might need a grand, you know, a guy with five kids is going to, you know, and a wife is going to need more. Um, yeah. Sufficient liquidity also in the business, uh, having a savings account there. Uh, what are some yep. of the next steps once it's kind of like, check, got it, check, got it. You know, th- th- those are yep. completed. The, the money's in the bank. Um, what's some next steps? So, so that's kind of the, the emergency, the worst case scenario fund, as I think about it, Paul. I mean, that's just the, the foundation. You know, beyond that, now we get to some, maybe some goals. And again, it's going to be very unique to each individual, but uh, speaking on a personal level, just identifying so, some goals. So maybe your family or you as an individual like to, to travel. Well, it's not a bad thing to have an account specific to that goal. Um, maybe you know that uh, you're going to need a new car in the near future. Well, have an account specific to that goal. And I'm a little bit old school in this and that my family personally, we had several different bank accounts earmarked for these particular goals. Um, but I'm very aware that uh, there's likely some app or online tool now. It's 2021, so you can probably use some app or online tool that instead of having you know five or six different bank accounts earmarked for a particular goal, um, you can use the the technology that exists today to put all of those funds in one account and let the let the technology earmark it for you. But I like actually seeing the the individual account, and um, you know what I did when my family uh, first started in the the self employment world. We had five or six different bank accounts. One was for what I would call long term savings, which is above and beyond the emergency. It's just cash on hand. That again, I don't know what it's going to come come for, but it's long term savings. One was for a vacation fund where each year we'd, or each month we'd set aside X amount of dollars into that vacation fund so that, you know, a couple vacations or one vacation we'd go on a year. Um, we didn't have to rack up credit card debt to pay for that. And, uh, you know, it also taught us that if it's not in the bank, if we don't have the cash on hand, then we're, we're not going to spend it. Um, we had a, a college savings goal uh, for our children. Um, so each month we set aside some funds into a college savings account. Um, but at the time and still have this, uh, but I know that each year I've got to pay life insurance policies. So those annual premiums come due. I know that those funds are going to be there because I've been setting aside, um, X amount of dollars for my monthly paycheck to go into this life insurance, uh, account so that whenever that premium comes due, it's not a surprise and, and the funds are there. So, uh, again, everybody's going to have different goals, but uh, I think that's been one of the things that's that's helped us. That once we got that emergency goal in place, we just kind of thought through these other recurring expenses and short and long-term goals that we wanted to save for, so that we weren't caught off guard when they came due. And we open a specific account for those purposes. And each paycheck, we'd set aside a little bit of money into that. Um, that way, when the bill came due. It was there. So that that would be what I think is a logical and wise kind of next step once you've been able to to set aside that that base level of emergency fund. And and once you get through kind of checking those boxes, Paul, then I think that opens the door to now all of a sudden, okay, what are some of my long term uh, goals? And of course, a big one might be retirement savings um, and potentially 
you know, depending on what you as an employer or an employee offer or have available, uh, 401k, IRA, um, individual retirement accounts, that those types of things, um, that's when you can turn your attention to, to saving into a retirement account. Um, but keep in mind, I mean, those, those accounts, um, you save to them, you invest, and the intention with those is to let them grow until you're, you know, in your late 50s or 60s, whenever retirement comes, if you ever are able to retire. Uh, but those aren't the, the funds that you would be putting into a, a savings account, a low interest savings account. Those are the funds that you'd be investing um, into likely stocks that have the potential to, to grow at a more rapid clip over the course of time. I want to dive a little bit deeper into, as you were talking about the family goals with you have an mm-hmm. account and I love the separate uh, checking the accounts. We talk a lot on this program and my bookkeepers uh, personally suggest Mike McCallowitz profit first program. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his book and how he, I'm not. okay. He, well, he basically in the business it encourages you to have uh, five different checking accounts, one for your income. So all the money that comes into the business goes into that account. Then you have a separate account for profit. That's why his book's called Profit First. So you, mm-hmm. your very first thing you do is distribute the money from the income into your whatever your set profit amount is. And then you have your operational expenses account. You have your um, salary account to pay all your employees. And there's various accounts. I'm not going to get into the whole system, but that... Um, system I made like a hybrid with my bookkeepers and I, I love it. I, I know you could have it all in one and distribute it or whatever, but I, I like having different accounts. So you mentioned having tra- travel and vacation accounts, a new car account, um, long-term savings beyond the emergency account, college savings. If you have kids, uh, your life insurance, premium funds account. Um, but you mentioned that when the paycheck comes that you set aside a little into each account. So how do you suggest us doing the paycheck, um, since, you know, guys own their own business and and we basically Mm -hmm. dictate how the money goes from the, the business checking accounts to the personal, um, for the owners, draw the owner's salary. What what do you find is the cleanest and and, and best way for the guys listening to this show to pay themselves from the business? Oh, and that's, uh, that's a very in-depth question, Paul, but, uh, uh, you know, I, this gets into what type of entity, how should the business be structured? Um, you know, do you remain as a sole proprietor where money comes in in your name and flows through on your taxes in your name? Or at some point, does it make sense to set up a, an LLC, a limited liability company? Uh, at some point, does it make sense to, to incorporate and file as, as a corporation? And, um, you know, I think those are, boy, those are questions that are so unique that I think those are best left for uh, either your your tax accountant or even an attorney in some cases. And truth be told, as a business owner, I know those those can be very expensive um, thoughts of getting you know a bookkeeper or an accountant or an attorney involved. But I cannot emphasize enough how important it can be to uh, To make that a, a high priority because it's a lot more expensive to clean some things up in regards to the business finances or the business um, structure than it is to uh, to invest money in those types of things up front and know that right out of the gate you've got the proper entity structure and the proper proper accounting. But what I will say, Paul, 
is, um, you know, whether it's an owner's distribution that you're taking from the business or, or whether it's, you know, a salary plus an owner's distribution, depending on how you're structured. Um, just, I, I think the important thing is, yes, you, your income is going to be variable uh, as a business owner. That that's one of the things that I've, I've realized is, you know, I, I'm fortunate where there's some predictability in my, my income stream, but I don't know exactly what those numbers are going to look like from, from quarter to quarter for me. Um, so the important thing is just to, to control my, my personal expenses so that, at a minimum, I know that I've got a high level of confidence that my business income is going to, to meet those. Um, and I can fund those goals into those various accounts. Um, but beyond that, that's where, that's where it gets a little bit, you don't know exactly how much flexibility you're going to have to, to support some of those retirement contributions or some of those things that I mentioned in, in the second level or third level of, of savings goals. Um, so I, I know that doesn't definitively answer your question, Paul, um, but I think that's that's the best way to think of it. And the other thing, Paul, I'll say in, in working with a lot of self-employed folks and business owners, sometimes, especially when it's early on, sometimes the business income just isn't going to be enough to meet all of your goals. And that's okay. As long as you've got an emergency fund to at least get you through some period of time so that you can build a business up. Um, that's what that emergency fund's going to be there for. But the other thing I've, you know, that's really been nice these past few years is just the opportunities for what I might term a, a side hustle. If you have any hours left in the day that you can figure out a way to earn a little bit of extra income, take advantage of it if uh, if you can. And what do I mean by that? I mean, I know a lot of people that have gone self-employed and things aren't going as well as they want. So, they're driving Uber or Lyft or delivering DoorDash or whatever it is. Just find a way to earn a little bit of extra income um, so that maybe you can uh, set aside some money either just to survive or to uh, work towards some of those those goals. That That's one of the things in being a business owner that you've got to be open to is uh, maybe thinking outside the box for, all right, I know my focus is going to be on this business hopefully long term. But in the interim, if cash flow doesn't permit, I got to figure out a way to, to keep the door open. Hey guys, TJ here with Greenview Services and the Florida Panhandle. I recently went through John Pajak's Budgets, Breakevens, and Bottom Lines workshop. I highly encourage anyone looking to break down the numbers in your business, check it out. Just head over to thegreenindustrypodcast.com. I wish I would have had this resource five years ago when I began business. I truly believe it can help anyone. The HardscapeAcademy.com is the place to get the skills and training you and your crew need to excel as a professional hardscaper. You'll learn all the techniques and best practices to properly install pavers and retaining walls. You'll have access to online video training courses, in-person apprenticeships, comprehensive guides, and customizable business forms. Plus, there are two free courses which cover everything slab. If you're serious about mastering your skills, abilities, efficiency, and bottom line, the hardscapeacademy.com is for you, and that link is in today's show notes. 
come home ready to relax after a hard day's work and find that your bookkeeping demands your time? Truth be told, you can't give it your full energy or focus. It just sits there most nights untouched, continually haunting you. It's costing you good decision-making and your peace of mind. Gulf Coast Bookkeeping provides a bookkeeping solution to landscapers that is guaranteed to give you back your time and your peace of mind. You can begin this partnership with us today by going to gulfcoastbk.com and scheduling a 15-minute call. Don't trick yourself into thinking you can handle it all. It won't be long before you're saying no. No to new clients or skipping dinner with your family and friends, all because your bookkeeping needs are unfinished. Let us take care of your green so you can take care of theirs. Schedule a 15-minute call today at gulfcoastbk.com. That's really well said, Justin. We actually had a guy on the show a couple weeks ago that does DoorDash as a side hustle to his other income and, and uh, another guy that plows snow. And when it's not snow, you know, snow plows, uh, some, sometimes there's a lot, you get your work nonstop for four days straight and other times yep. it doesn't snow for a week and he's doing DoorDash in the intermediate. So I, I think that's important um, piece that you mentioned there uh, to, 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 to have a side hustle if there is um, those time periods where the income's a little bit slower to, to make sure that it keeps the money keeps flowing in. Yep. Yep. I agree. But just to take away from, from that, Paul, I, I hope it is don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money. We're not talking thousands of dollars, but invest some money in at least having a conversation with a tax professional an accountant and, or an attorney. Um, that way you're not caught off guard. Uh, whether it be months or years down the road, because I can assure you it's going to be more expensive to clean up a mess that you didn't even realize was a mess to begin with than it is to um, to invest in preventing that mess tax-wise or entity structure-wise, whatever it is, uh, up front. Spend that money up front. Um, it's not money that I like spending, don't don't get me wrong, but uh, it, it is well worth it to, to protect yourself um, in the long run. Great, great advice there, Justin. Well, kind of giving some practical steps here. I think the advice you gave of, of the emergency fund and the family goals is pretty much self-explanatory going to a credit union or a, a local bank and, and getting those accounts set up is pretty elementary and simple. I think where there's some friction and confusion and it can be intimidating is when you mentioned the long-term, you know, retirement yep. savings where you're, you're tucking money away until you're in your late fifties, early sixties and things of that mm -hmm. nature. That's where guys get kind of like deer in headlights. What is the next steps to, to, then I know it's different with the the way your um, business is set up, whether you're going to do a 401k or an IRA and then determining where that money is going to be invested. Well, can you kind of walk us through the most simplified explanation of, of how you open those accounts and, and start investing money into retirement? Yeah. So in its simplest terms, the way I like to put it is the accumulation of funds is the most important step. Don't get caught up in the allocation of funds. Plain English, save as much as you can. And I know that oversimplifies it, but I think some people get so caught up in where should I be saving? How should I be investing? That they, they get overwhelmed and as a result, they do nothing. Um, so the accumulation of funds as early as possible is the most important thing here. But with that said, uh, it can be overwhelming. There's a lot of different ways to save. If you're a traditional employee and your employer gives you a 401k, great. 
that simplifies it. But if you're a business owner and maybe you're not ready to, to offer a 401k for yourself or your employees, that gets a little bit overwhelming, the thought of saving for retirement. So, you know, if a 401k is offered, I would say start there. Um, you know, there's a couple of different types of 401ks. There's a traditional 401k where you put money in today, you get a tax break today, and then later in life, typically after age 59 and a half, you're able to pull money from that 401k um, and for retirement. And as you pull money out, you'll pay taxes on those distributions then. Um, the other type of 401k that's gaining traction, gaining popularity, is what's known as a Roth. 401k, uh, plain English, you put money in today, you don't get a tax break today, but the trade-off is any funds that you put in, all of the growth that they experience, you're then able to pull out later in life tax-free. So the IRS, kind of the way to think about it in most cases, it's either a pay me now or pay me later type arrangement as it pertains to retirement savings. Traditional 401k, uh, you get the tax break up front, so you're going to pay the IRS later. Roth 401k, you don't get a tax break up front, so you're paying taxes on that money now, but the trade-off is later in life, you take it out tax-free. Um, and there are what are known as IRA, individual retirement accounts, um, that you can open um, outside of a 401k. So maybe you as an employer or an employee don't have access to a 401k, you can open an IRA um, on your own. And some of the bigger platforms out there um, certainly don't recommend one over another and don't have any ties to them, but the likes of Charles Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity, those are all big, what are known as custodians. Uh, they hold the money. That's why they're known as a custodian um, that you can open an IRA through. And IRAs have significantly lower contribution limits each year. Uh, than a 401k, but if that's your only option, that, that's okay. Um, and you can invest in a traditional IRA, which has the same uh, tax benefit as a traditional 401k, or you can invest in a Roth IRA, same thing. You put money in today, it grows tax-free later in life. When you pull money from a Roth IRA, uh, it, it comes out tax-free. Um, but that's where people get a little bit overwhelmed because they don't know exactly how to invest. And, you know, the, the IRA is just kind of the, the wrapper, the vehicle in which you're investing under. Um, a lot of people then they get overwhelmed because they don't know exactly, should I buy Apple stock? Should I buy Tesla stock? Um, do I put bonds in here? What does that look like? And I'm a man of simplicity. And I think for somebody that's just starting out, um, it's all, risk tolerance and age dependence and, and whatnot. But just to, to simplify it, there are these funds out there. There's an investment opportunity out there now called an index fund. Uh, and a lot of these will track some of the, the major uh, stock market indexes that you see on TV, whether it be the, the Dow Jones or the S&P 500, which is the most common, or the NASDAQ. Um, but basically, for somebody to put money, invest in what's known as an S&P 500 index fund, literally this fund that you're investing in is owning 500 companies that comprise the S&P 500 index. And there are 500 of the largest companies out there. So you get a pretty broad diversification 
But this fund, it's going to go up and down as the S&P 500 index fund does. But it, it really, I guess, simplifies things versus trying to pick individual stocks. Um, even though, you know, it's always making the headlines, Tesla, Facebook, Apple, you know, it's not Facebook anymore. What is it? Meta or metaverse? <laughs> Things change so quickly. Uh, but for most investors, I think, especially those just starting out, picking an index fund that uh, long-term they can put money in and just be hands-off, not get worried about the month-in, month-out movements of these funds or even the yearly movements. If you've got 15, 20, 25, 30 years until retirement, put money in, save on a monthly or annual basis, and be hands-off. Don't get in there and try to uh, to make trades because you read somewhere where – this stock is going to go up or this stock is going to be the next Tesla or whatever it is. <laughs> but most investors, they end up losing a lot of money that way, Paul. And it, it's, it's frustrating because we only hear the success stories. It's like you turn on sports center and you get the highlights for the day, but you don't see the, the turnovers that, that the superstar has. It's it's the same thing in the investment. World. I remember the highlights. I remember when I we used to golf caddy together and I'd I'd be out there caddy and you know the seventh grader and those guys, oh you gotta get this stock, you gotta get that you know, they're on the <sighs> second hole sitting there, you know, sharing their uh their their tips <sighs> with each other and it's like <laughs> Well, they, they they tell you about all the money they've made, but they fail to disclose about the stories of all the money they've lost. So it don't hear me wrong. There's a lot of people that have made a lot of money uh, trading individual stocks. But for somebody just starting out, um, you know, you don't want to put your money into something and all of a sudden watch that individual company go bankrupt. The benefit of these index funds, especially an S&P 500 index, um, which all of those major custodians, Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, all of those make available, is literally you're putting your money into a fund that holds a smaller percentage of 500 companies. Whereas if you just put your money into one individual stock, um, you're not spreading your risk out at all. It's all in that one, one stock. So listen, there's, there's times and places to, to gamble but with your retirement funds. Um, it's not it, unless you really have the time to understand each, each of these stocks and such, I'd say most of the time it makes sense. Put money in an index fund. And it, hey, if, if you're an older investor that maybe only has a few years or five or 10 years until retirement, by no means am I saying that you should put all of your money into a, a stock fund because maybe you can't afford the risk of somebody that's in their 20s or 30s or you just can't tolerate the risk. Then you can, uh, there's bond index funds that are a little bit more conservative than, than stock funds. So uh, again, without getting too specific, because it's the nature of my business is every individual, every family is different. Um, there are index funds that are very low cost and um, really do a good job of uh, spreading out the risk beyond just, just one or two, two companies that I would recommend somebody consider, uh, especially if they're just starting to, uh, to invest funds for the first time. Fantastic, Justin. Well, I really appreciate the time. This has been very helpful. I've been uh, sitting here taking notes myself and, and appreciate your expertise. Give a quick um, vetting process so nobody contacts you that w wouldn't be a good fit. But if, you know, you never know who's listening right now, and maybe it would be a, 
in your wheelhouse. Just refresh us again of who you enjoy working with and, and see if there's any way, um, you know, maybe we could put your contact information in the show notes or something. If, if you're okay with that, if someone's yeah, listening no, I, that, that might want to inquire further and, and don't be shy, go ahead. And you guys respect Justin's time. If you're not in the, if you're not in the you know requirements, don't bug him. But if, if somebody's <laughs> listening that, you know, Mr. Producer, for example, my producer is trying to get his yacht down in the Gulf of Mexico and retire uh-huh. here soon. Maybe, maybe you guys could be a good fit. Go ahead and give, uh, give a little uh, plug for your services and who not, who not the contact contact you and who to contact you. No, listen, Paul, I, as I said, I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody that, that wants to, but um, no, JGR financial solutions is my company. JGRfinancial.com. Um, I'm part of two organizations in particular that I'll mention for, for anybody looking for financial advice. Uh, NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A, is a great organization of what's known as fee-only financial planners, plain English. Any NAPFA advisor uh, does not get paid on commissions and therefore can remain objective in delivering advice without having to worry about uh, some of the, the conflicts of interest that come into play with you know specific product like insurance recommendations. Um, I would encourage anybody to check out NAPFA, uh, N-A-P-F-A dot org. If they're uh, looking for a financial advisor or um, especially if you're a younger, uh, maybe entrepreneur or even employee, the XY Planning Network, Gen X, Gen Y, but XY Planning Network, I'm also a member of it. There are a lot of great advisors on those on each of those platforms, um, but XY Planning Network just consists of advisors that are focused on delivering financial advice to, to Gen X, Gen, Gen Y. Um so those would be two. If you're looking, no matter where you are in the country, looking for uh, for financial advice, regardless of your uh, kind of state in life, um, I would highly encourage your listeners to, to check out both of those as a starting point um, if they're seeking financial advice. But don't hesitate to, um, yeah, to just get started wherever you are. Uh, that's what I would encourage your listeners to do. It doesn't take a hundred thousand dollars doesn't take a million dollars to to get the ball rolling um just get started and take whatever first step that you you can given your circumstance that is fantastic advice well justin we really appreciate that and mr producer will put the jgrfinancial.com that's your website correct correct and then napfa org and then xy planning network we'll we'll put that information in the show notes so if you guys want to take that next step um you can check that out and again justin i appreciate i know we've i think it's been like a year or two i've like i gotta get you on the show i gotta get you on the show and we uh finally made it happen man i i really appreciate your time and knowledge my pleasure paul appreciate you having me cool well thank you man and i gotta Go get a sip of water and, and, and got another interview coming up here. It's a life of a podcaster, man. We got cough drops and water and bathroom break, and I'm I'm back to the next one. But it, it's great catching up with you, man. You too. Keep hustling.
Well, guys, I'm really thankful to Justin for taking time out of his day to share his business journey with us, those time management tips, and of course, keeping the investing and savings process so simple. Some of these guys I was still on the radio around town, man, they make it so complex that you do get overwhelmed. It's like, it can be very easy to do nothing when you're overwhelmed. But I appreciate Justin just really encouraging us to set those savings goals, set those investing goals, and to make it happen. It really is not that complicated. It just takes the discipline to earn the money, to live on less than we make, and to actually have the discipline and self-control to save. So very thankful for him for uh, today's episode. I I thought he did an excellent job at uh, sharing his expertise with us. And also, guys, I want to let you know the exciting news that the Diligent Shall Prosper, our 90-day guided goal tracker and journal to help you crush your goals, is now available. This comes in a laminate hardcover. Thanks to our friends at Amazon for giving us the opportunity to have a hardcover journal over there. And uh, basically what it is, it's a hybrid of a devotional, a journal, and a guided goal tracker. And so each day we'll start off with a thought-provoking proverb at the top of the page. We'll say day one, there'll be a proverb of the day, a new fresh proverb each day. So you can read that and then it will guide you into writing down what you are thankful for. There is research that when we have more gratitude and thankfulness, that it actually affects our health and just general overall well-being. And so I wanted to start with a positive thought for the day, some gratitude for the morning, I recommend doing this in the morning. I personally, that's just my routine. Then from there is a place to write down your goals. And again, when their goals are specific and measurable, we are set up for success. And then when we take the time to actually write them down, we are really moving forward uh, to making progress on achieving those goals. And so each day there's a spot to write down your goals for that specific day. And then underneath that, um, there's just lines for journaling or reflection, or if you want to write down some progress on how the previous day went, what you're feeling, emotions. There, you can really do anything in the journal section. Um, I actually write down a little prayer each day and, and ask God to clean me up and you know launch me into uh, his purposes and plans for my life. So there's a bunch of freedom with the journal part. So anyway, it's called The Diligent Shall Prosper. It's available on Amazon. And uh, again, guys, I'm really thankful um, for the opportunity to have a hardcover journal and definitely hope that you will pick up a copy and get plugged in and and start writing down what you're thankful for your goals and journaling and uh, tag us on Instagram when you do. We'd love to see your um, progress and and share it with our audience as well. So thanks for listening to today's program. Smash that follow button and uh, we hope you will catch us on the next program. This has been a Jameson Media and Mr. Producer production. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.